Welcome back to Bible study, Paul's letter to the Galatian church, and to our very interesting allegory that we're um, studying. Hagar, Sarah, and the rest, which we'll be going through today. Welcome back, John. Thank you. Campbell, Derek Walker. Thank you. And I'm going to read from verse 22 of chapter 4 through to the end. Verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labour. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Thanks, John. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, as we come into your presence today, we ask, Lord, that by your grace we would lay aside all thoughts and, and, and discussions and problems of the day, not only us, Lord, but everybody at home, that we would just be open now to the move of your Spirit as you speak to our minds and our intellects, Lord, and help us to understand as we wrestle with these wonderful truths that Paul has delivered for us. Help us, Lord, to see the relevance of them in today's life for each of us, each of us according to our need, Lord. Give us the words to say and the wisdom to express what needs to be expressed, Lord. And we ask that through it all, you and you alone get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I, I gain a lot <coughs> reading it, I have to say, uh, which, you know, all sounds so clear <laughs> and then when I start to think how am I going to describe it um, it's almost as though we can't do better than Paul if we just soak in the point that he's making uh, we we basically got to verse 23 um, 24 stroke 24 last week but we've we've stepped back as you often do when you're climbing a mountain I, I once climbed I know I'm on the mountain analogy again, <laughs> but I once climbed by the miners' track, Mount Snowden, and it was it was during the winter time, and it was a kind of screed. There was a kind of screed slope where you have the zigzag going up, but obviously 
the zigzag, which is the clear path, wasn't visible. It was snow. So, but I did find every time it was two steps up and slipping back one step. And then, it, so basically, this is our Bible studies. We're, we're, we're making progress, but we have to keep making sure that our, as it, as it were, we're sure-footed yeah. as we're going through the scriptures. So I'm going to start yes, with it's, Derek. It's, it's actually quite a, well, as we might expect from Paul, Quite a detailed allegory. Yeah, it's not just one simple correspondence. He's bringing a whole lot of different things together. Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of necessary to take a step back, as you say, and and, and remind ourselves of the yeah. main characters that he's using to convey the spiritual truth. Yeah, so we don't want to fall all the way back, do we, John, to the bottom of the the slope we certainly have to start again (laughs) no no, we don't but we need to make sure the foundation is solid i I think this is so important these you know the paul's taken the trouble to write this it's really important and it's there to help us to understand Mm. his argument Mm. and so we we can't just gloss over it it'd be foolish to gloss over it yeah Mm. yeah um yeah so um as i think you ended last week you know who's your mother yeah, mm-hmm. as it were, which is quite an interesting one. And you, and you spoke, Derek, about the sort of spiritual DNA. It's, it's quite different yes. from the two because mothers. The, in a, he's using the two primary sons of Abraham. So everyone's claiming their religion comes from Abraham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But the issue is, are you according to Isaac or, or are you according to Ishmael? Mm. Isaac, Sarah... Is, is the mother. And this is like the early verses. This yeah. is, let's, let's just read it. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman, that's Hagar, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he who was of the free woman through promise. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you have two, one son that was born first was Ishmael. That is the natural son, the, the son of the flesh. Um, and in the sense, that's all of us. If, if there is no supernatural work of God in our life, then we just are what we are by the flesh. Mm. That is Ishmael. And Ishmael, who is born of the flesh from Hagar, mm. who was a slave, therefore he inherited, as it were, her nature. And mm. if we the nature of the flesh is under the power of sin. We are slaves to sin and to the law. And, and so if, we, if, that's all, if that's what defines us, we, we are Ishmael. That's right. But the other mother, which being Sarah, is, is free. Yeah. And if we, if, if we are, and later he'll compare Sarah to the new covenant, um, that if we, if we are born again, yeah. we, we are like Isaac, who had a supernatural birth, by grace, by the promise of God, which Abraham and Sarah believed. Mm-hmm. And, and so we would then share Sarah's freedom. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are born of that new covenant, mm-hmm. which, which we receive the spirit of God in us, mm-hmm. which sets us free from the law and from sin. That's right. So there's everyone ultimately is either, either Ishmael or, or, or Isaac. Isaac. So, so for me, when I read, uh, as I have many, many times this passage, it's almost as though I'm looking at a kind of a cloud formation at sunset where um, you have all of these clouds and then at various points in time, uh, one cloud or other suddenly 
has a glorious set of colours on it and then it fades again and, and then you read it another time and then this other verse, let's say, suddenly, you know, gets a ray of sunshine on it and we, it, it's, it's like an ever, you know, it's, it's a treasure that you never quite, That's you right. know, fathom. And, and I, as for instance, just reading it on this one, it, it just occurred to me about Isaac, uh, sorry, Ishmael being the a bullying Isaac, you know, in the same sense that Paul was being bullied, as it were, by the, the forces that he was once part of. You know, he was, he was obviously beaten, thrown out of, you know, the city, stoned and all the rest of it. You know, there, there's something bullying about, about the legalistic position, if I'm not throwing us off track again. <laughs> It's just that, um, you know, legalism is, is harsh and, and therefore it's quite difficult for this uh, truth about God's grace to, to emerge when it's being smothered, as it were, by the, the, all, all of the trappings of, of religion. Mm. Um, and that comes up later. Yeah, okay, it does come up later in, in the few passage. verses later. But, but that certainly did, did strike me. The battle between Ishmael and Isaac, the flesh and the spirit, and how decisive you have to be. Yeah. Uh, I won't jump ahead. But it, it is a big, it, but it's a big one where um, <coughs> he talks about Mount Sinai um, and, you know, it's very jarring when it says, you know, uh, Mount Sinai in Arabia corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. <laughs> you know, that's another sort of, that's as it were, dropping punch. your cup of tea, <laughs> which we were talking about earlier, yeah, oh, sorry, uh, uh, last week. You know, it, it just seems absolutely he's, he's hit, hit it, thrown it the other way around. Yes. That, that Sinai is how you are behaving today. Mm. The pre I assume what he mean, that's what he means when he says the present Jerusalem. Yes. You, in other words, the, the legalists, which represented the, the Judaism of that time. And it was never intended. Was actually playing the role of Ishmael yeah. persecuting and yeah. Isaac. Yeah. Uh, you so, know, so just like Ishmael did. Yeah, so ju just thinking about the city of Jerusalem, it, it, it's, it's mentioned something like 700 times explicitly in the scriptures, and then it's sort of interwoven throughout the scriptures. Um, it's the place where uh, Abraham, as it were, the, the Lord said, I will show you a place where, where my name will dwell. It's, it's the holy city. It's, it's, it's God um, has a passion for Jerusalem. And then here, it's as though it's, there's another Jerusalem out there. What, it's, what he's really talking about is it's the, the religious system that is centered on Jerusalem. Yeah. Because in his time, of course, Jerusalem was the center for this legalistic Judaism, um, and therefore, you know, uh, you, you know that, that originated from Mount Sinai. Um, that kind of, you know, although the law was of God, the, the law was misused and in terms of its application, and so the whole religion was based on law. And that uh, that the new center of that religion is, was now the earthly Jerusalem. Yeah, so can I just throw something at John? So the, the Lord Jesus, um, when he uh, um, came down from the Mount of Olives, after, after he had um, cursed the fig tree, uh, he, uh, at um, where, wherever that was, you know, Bethpage, I think it was, he came, he came down into the temple 
and he drove out the money changers. You know, he, he that, that, you know, my father's house should be a house of prayer for all nations. You made it a den of thieves. Is there a connection between corruption and religion? Uh, corruption and, and this, you know, following of the law. Does it give, um, as it were, lend itself to corrupt practices? I think, I think history proves that to be the case, doesn't it? And, and, sorry, and sorry, Derek, if this is going on a tangent again, well, but it, I think it, I'm it trying is, to explore it's certainly that. A it's certainly a tangent, yeah. but it, it's an interesting one yeah. because if you tie, you can tie religious Christianity um, and religious Judaism in with every other secular religion you like. They're all in it together. And, and they're corrupt because they're essentially hierarchical. There's always somebody in power. And often the Are we saying organised religion now? You yes. know, where it becomes organised? No, I'm saying, no, I mean, most of them are organised. Mm. But, but they are all organised because, because they're corrupt, because they're legalistic. And legalism requires structure in order to be able to operate properly. And so you have hierarchies and because it's the work of the flesh, people want to be at the top and therefore corrupt practices get them there. And then because Ambition. they're corrupted, the whole thing comes down from the top working right the way through. And so you have essentially a corrupt world um, with a spiritual dimension to it, which is religious. Mm. Christianity, pure Christianity is quite different. It doesn't fit into that mold at all. Mm. Pure Christianity is just a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's why brothers and sisters have you know, have relationship in the family because they got the same parents and, mm -hmm. and we have the same parent. And, and we have, on the one hand, we have Abraham and Sarah and on the other, we have Abba Father. And, and we are all family and it doesn't matter the color of our skin, the language we speak, anything. We are family and that is unique, mm -hmm. absolutely unique to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And yes, I agree, I, th I think the rest are corrupt. I, I'd say, they're corrupt. They, in the sense that they are, the, the truth has been corrupted. Mm. It's not truth, and therefore it's corrupt. Mm. I'm not saying they're on, all on, a, a, on a sort of spectrum of corruption. Yeah. We're not saying they're all sort no, of no, 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 not, not at all. And, you know, absolutely not at all. I say they're they're operating within a system where the truth is corrupt. Mm. But it's always sellable, isn't it? Mm. It appeals to your human nature. It obtains uh, enough truth to keep you satisfied. Yeah, so I, anyway, I was just trying to explore that. Well, we, another way to look at that, uh, Sistant. Yeah, please. The, is Romans 7. Yeah. And where Paul basically says that the law, because he had tried it, that the law, you know, and you can, can create a kind of outward righteousness. But Paul admitted that it didn't deal with his heart, that he had a deep problem with coveting, with, with the lust. Uh, which the law actually, rather than fixing, actually stirred it up. And he, he basically says that the law became a base of operation for his sin nature. Mm. So to answer your point from that point yeah. of view, yeah. the more you get into legalism, the farther you try in the flesh, the more the sin nature that's there in the flesh, without the law it's kind of fairly passive. Yeah. As soon as you're activated and you try ever so hard to keep all these laws, Actually, what happens is you, you are stirring up that sin nature. And even if you perform outwardly, it actually activates a lot of bad stuff on the inside of you, uh, lust and covetousness. It's and so interesting. So it yeah. does actually breed yeah. 
the, yeah. the corruption that you're talking about. Even though the law, as Paul says earlier in Romans, you know, uh, uh, serves to make us conscious of sin, um, it, it is actually, um, it's an engine. <laughs> it can become an engine for sin. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a sort of the spiritual equivalent of the old law in physics, you know, action, reaction are equal and opposite. Mm. And that's exactly what's happening. Mm. You're yeah. trying to activate the law and the flesh is reacting against it and it's yeah. more powerful. Yeah. And it'll push you over. And, and to its ultimate degree, it will create a, a trophy for Satan. Yeah. Because in a sense, what's the worst possible outcome is what we would kind of see with some of the worst Pharisees. You have this outwardly moralistic person, mm. but who on the inside is full of hatred and all kinds sepulchre. of yeah. evil, and yet pretending, you know, hypocritically pretending to be all moral and good and superior to everyone else. And, it, and really, it's, it, this kind of person is a trophy for Satan. Mm. You, you mm. know, <laughs> he's, he's in a worse state than yeah. a straightforward sinner. You, you know, because he thinks, and, or he's pretending to be some, some kind of righteous mm. person. Mm. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it gives full vent to the sin nature, because the worst sin is pride. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it magnifies pride and covetousness in the heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. So, um, if we have got to verse um, 24, that Can I throw yes, something into you the may, mix you first? May, you I, may, you yeah, yeah. may, yeah. Just talking about Isaac, you know, we're yep. talking about, yep. this is a picture, and he go, he'll say this explicitly later, that we are of Isaac. We are children, if we're born again, we're mm. children of the promise. Yeah. So I just want to explore that a little yeah, bit more. Do, please do. Because last time we saw from Genesis 17, the origin of Isaac was, was the promise of God, yeah. which Abraham, you know, they believe the promise, they receive the grace of God. And of course, we know the wonderful story that, yeah, of their faith, um, where and Isaac was brought forth. Mm. This this miracle, yeah, baby. And we are all miracles if we're born again. Yeah, amen. You know, we are. Isaac we're is born actually in miracles us. if we're born. <laughs> yeah. but that's another matter. Be gone. Uh, yeah. Now, Isaac, the seed of Abraham, all right, is a type of Christ. All right, this is mm. seeing how it all works. Yep. Christ is the, the greater seed of Abraham, the greater than Isaac, mm -hmm. right? So when we see Isaac, we should first of all see Christ, right? And of course, he was born of the Virgin and, and so forth. Now, the next thing in the story of Isaac is, describes how Isaac, who is the seed, can multiply himself into us so that there are now millions yeah. upon millions of Isaacs, yeah. right? How does that work? Mm. And, and of course, that is Genesis 22, when God says to Abraham, offer up your Isaac on the mm. cross. Mm. He is the seed. How do you multiply the seed? You plant him in death and you yeah. get the multiplication. Yeah. So of course, Isaac is offered up on Mount Moriah. Mm. And, and he was uh, a willing sacrifice. A willing sacrifice. He could have overpowered his uh, elderly know, father. I've written a whole book on this, so yeah. I'm, you, oh, know, good. You, you may have to, yeah. you know. Read it. me here, but yeah. it's called Mount Moriah, Golgotha, and the Garden Tomb. Yeah, and um, just to throw this in, because yeah. I know you have a close yeah. association Very with the Garden so. Tomb. Yeah. I believe the Garden Tomb is the right place. Yeah, and and one major I'm reason. I'm quite persuaded. And yeah. I make that case in the book, apart from all the circumstantial evidence, that Jesus had to be crucified on Mount Moriah. Yeah, because in Genesis 22, because this is all the type. The type is Abraham offering up his son Isaac, 
his only son, as it mm. were, yep. um, is a picture, of course, of the father offering up his son. That's yes. right. And they both had to happen on Mount Moriah. We know what, what Mount yep. Moriah is. It's yep. the temple, what we know as the Temple yep. Mount. But in the Genesis... The meaning of which is, you know, God is my teacher. So, as it were, Moriah, um, uh, God was teaching Abraham and teaching oh, Isaac. There it is. He's giving... Yes, and this is the key lesson, isn't it? That through, the, through the typology. Verse 14, Genesis 22. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And again, 22 verse 14. Yep. The Lord will provide, as it is said in this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Yeah. Now, it, prophetic. You could, so, or it could be translated, probably better, in this mount, in other words, he names the mountain, the Lord is our provider. Yeah. What's he going to provide? Mm. This final sacrifice. Yeah. And then he says, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided, or I prefer, in the mount the Lord shall be provided. Mm. In other words, God, and then in verse 8, I think, he says mm. that God will provide for himself the lamb. That's right. So where is the lamb? And it's all pointing to Christ, of course. And in the mount, Mount Moriah, mm. the Lord will be provided as the final sacrifice. Mm. Isaac, in other words, is just a type mm. of what God is going to do mm. 2,000 years later. He's going to offer up his own son mm. on Mount Moriah. Mm. Now, the Holy Sepulchre is not on Mount Moriah. This That's prophecy right. specifically says right. that the Lord will be offered up on Mount Moriah. Yeah. Well, the, in other, and you might say, well, the... And the mountain does extend to you got uh, Golgotha. You got it. You, yes. What people don't realize is that it was a quarry site north of the Damascus Gate, and where the Golgotha, the skull shape is, yeah. is the result of a quarrying that took place yeah. maybe 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And as a result, a big trench is cut. Mm. And actually, the, the peak of Mount Moriah is actually where there's a, a cemetery there now, but it, that yeah. is where the garden tomb is. Yeah, where, and where, where is, actually where the church of St. Stephen yeah, uh, is. Exactly. And so that points to the fact that maybe Stephen was also stoned at there that at that same place. Yes, it was a crucifixion place. It was uh, a it, place yes, of execution. Execution place. place of execution, yeah. yeah. So, if, if we take this prophecy seriously, he can't have died at the Holy Sepulchre. Sorry if you believe that. No, no, that. no. There's that, there are other factors which people debate about that there was a, a city wall. It could have been outside it could, and all the rest of it. And the fact that there are other tombs yeah. around the area of the Holy Sepulchre. But um, This is the conclusive argument for I me. I do think. Yeah. Well, also, I'll tell you another one, which you may or may not know. Uh, but when I was there on the Council of Garden Tomb for five years, we had Wyatt's archaeological research came and requested a dig. Uh, and um, I won't go into the details of the dig, but it was five metres by five metres by seven metres mm. down, quite near to uh, Golgotha. But I uh, remember we had, um, we had the Israel Antiquities Authority were, were monitoring the whole thing, and we gave permission. It was on our land, we gave permission for this dig. Uh, but what really fascinated me was that we had a geologist, an Israeli, you know, leading uh, a geologist who, who came to brief us. And I, the question I wanted to ask was, um, we know that in recent years with acid rain and the like, there has been erosion of the skull. Mm -hmm. um, but um, uh, 
prior to that, which is basically the modern era, the industrial era, we, we have the, these uh, photos that go back uh, uh, you know, to Victorian yeah. times, where we called it Gordon's Calvary, because he discovered it when he was on the rooftop of the Spafford mm. home, which became the hospital there. Um, he, um, he saw the place of the skull, and that's why it's called Gordon's Calvary. So I asked this geologist, um, how close do you think this, um, the actual um, skull image uh, uh, could be to 2,000 years ago? Mm. How much erosion could there be? Mm. He said, very little. Mm. It, over over that, the, that uh, time period in a dry climate, mm. it's only in the modern era that we've had right. real erosion, yeah. where we've lost the bridge of the nose and things yeah. like that. And there's a mouth that was covered yeah, over, yeah, wasn't there? Exactly. So yes. Um, uh, so I, I found, wow, yeah, it did look like the skull. Therefore, it does fit in, maybe with your book, um, that yeah. it, it is, and it does have so many boxes are ticked by the garden tomb uh, that makes you um, or, uh, wonder how, and you're in awe, uh, the, the fact that that could be the place where, and we always go there on the tours, as I know you take tours as well, mm. but we never, we don't want to create sort of relig a religious relic or a shrine, so to no. speak, we, we, you know, because of the human tendency to want to do things ritualistically. But um, the important thing is that very simple English sign on the door of the tomb that just says, he's not here, yeah. <laughs> he's risen. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's an empty tomb. And it's in that's under, the most important under British thing. control. That, well, that's the second yeah. most important thing. Yeah. <laughs> The joke, most joke. important, the holiest piece of ground. <laughs> it is quite amazing. It is called a holy site. It's registered. But it is amazing when you think site. about it. You have a, an execution site, and the, and yeah, the no Stephen tradition is very strong, mm. and it's in the perfect place for mm. right by a main road, mm. just outside the city mm. gate. And then you've then it turns around a little corner, mm. and in that corner area is a, is a garden and it yeah. was a garden in With the, the first third, century. third largest cistern in Jerusalem. Which is extraordinary that you would have like a garden a little, of a wealthy a rich know, Joseph man, of Arimathea. A rich man's garden mm. right there next to an execution site mm. and, and that's exactly what John 19 tells us. And where's that scripture in Lamentations that talks about does it matter to you who pass by? That, one, that, is it yeah, 114? Yeah, yeah okay because that's profound as well because it, it was the roadside and it was a place where the Romans would set up crosses where there were main roads so yes. the, the Nablus road that went up um, to, to Shechem you know the Damascus road you know there we yeah. have the crossroads there so it is a remarkable site but just could you read that because that you, want, you know that? if we're talking about the grace of God you know yeah. we're not just talking about interesting bits of you know archaeology we're, we're talking about the scriptures being fulfilled so however many hundred years before the Lord Jesus died at that spot, the, this is where tradition says Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. Mm. Is it, yes, exactly. Jeremiah's grotto is, is, is there. Exactly. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by, behold and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted in the day of his fierce anger? Mm. And mm. so mm. Yeah. he was speaking prophetically as well. But isn't that, you know, you can't make, I don't believe you can make it up. The connection between 
Abraham and Isaac you know, and the prophets. And that's why when the Lord Jesus was explaining it to the men on the road to uh, Emmaus, he, he said, how foolish you are not to believe all that the scriptures have said concerning me. And then, and then he said, then starting with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the scriptures. That, I, I, it's so, so sad, Derek. I, don't, I love your ministry, but I don't see it very wide, widely represented in churches across the land. It's so sad that you have these very polite homilies, you know, from a few passages in the New Testament, and they miss out all that the scriptures are saying. What, you know, starting with Moses and all the prophets. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? What the Lord, the pattern the Lord showed us of how we should study the scriptures. Yes. And I think that is the basis of, of our Bible studies going on I think nearly so. 20 years now. I think so. faithfully study all the scriptures. Yeah. And I love that scripture that Derek wrote out. And it's so easy to think, oh, it's just rather quaint Elizabethan English mm. or whatever. But Abraham in the prophetic voice said, God will provide for himself mm. yeah. a ram, mm. a sacrifice. Mm. Not God will provide a sacrifice. Don't, don't worry, Isaac, my boy. God will, no, God will provide for himself. Mm. Mm. It's his sacrifice for yeah. his purposes. Yeah, yeah. And um, in that passage that you read in um, um, Genesis, it says they went together up to... Mm. Yeah. All right. And of course, there was that point on the cross where the Lord said they weren't together because of sin, because of God's wrath that we're talking about. He said, my, from quoting from whichever psalm it was, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, something... Yeah. Very profound happening. May I just say, I, I'm, I, I've known some quite, um, you know, high erudite, you know, Jewish rabbis, and one said to me once, the most profound verse for him in the scriptures, and he was talking to a Christian, so he knew what he was saying, is that one. Yeah. My God, why hast thou forsaken mm. me? It, it sort of goes against religion, mm. isn't it? It's going, it's, it's grating with Judaism. It's there in their scriptures. It's a very profound. Yeah, that Messiah is the yes. sin offering. But interesting thing about that, that the walk, I believe that the walk that um, Isaac did carrying the, the mm. wood on mm. his back mm. was identical to the walk that Jesus did to the cross. Yeah. Because you know you've got the city of David in the far south that's and then right. you go up to the Temple Mount. But that's not the peak of Moriah. No. The peak just, is... Just getting it on the geography because we love this. So, you know, sorry, you've really opened up, as it were, the can of, um, of um, glorious treasures, let's say. And it's so that, you, you know, you had the, um, the Lord Jesus before Caiaphas, which is right down there um, near the uh, Kidron Valley, um, where you have um, the St. Peter and Galatat Canto, the church. That was where the house of Caiaphas was. But then he was sent to um, the Antonia Fortress, yes. which is by the temple. And I believe Mount. that's correct. Yes. Um, because some people now think it was on the, <coughs> the Jaffa Gate, but I yeah. think that's wrong, and I could prove that's wrong, although that's the current thinking. Okay, I think no, it, I agree. It, it I agree. It would have been the Antonia Fortress, yep. which is actually on the Temple Mount. Yep. Now, in the, that's in the Genesis 22, he goes with Isaac and some young men, mm. right? some way up Moriah, yeah. 
And then but for the final part of the journey, he says to the young men, stay here. Yep. And I and the, the young yep. man we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll go up to yep. the peak. Yep. So I think that's when he started carrying the wood on his back. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly the same the point walk. where Jesus was uh, where Pilate said, you know, behold the man. That's at Antonius Fortress. Fortress. And if you ever go up in the convent, so in, uh, you have the pavements up beneath where they, you know, cast lots, and you have the word square on the pavement uh, below where the where the soldiers played their games. Um, but if you go up to the top, the rooftop of that, um, the, what's now a convent, you're you're actually above the Temple Mount. Mm. which is quite interesting. And then when you walk, um, you walk down from the, is it the Sheep Gate? I don't know what the gate is, but near the St. Anne's, um, the Pool of Bethesda, you, you then um, go up to the corner where we have the Austrian hospice and you turn right and you're going uphill the whole way mm. towards Damascus Gate, yeah. which is exactly what so, you're saying. You're literally going uphill all the way. Yeah. And of course, the the hill has changed because of Herod the Great cutting it and chopping yeah. it up to create the Temple Mount, but it's still uphill. But the walk is to the peak of Mount Moriah. It's quite amazing. And, so and I do believe that, um, that, yeah. that, that it's, it does fit So more. Isaac carried his altar yeah. to the peak, and in the same way Christ, the greater than Isaac, carried his altar yeah. of his sacrifice yeah. to, to the peak yeah. where, they, where he was crucified. And this remarkable... Victorian uh, British general Gordon yeah. actually drew a diagram uh, uh, where he went further. So in his diagram, he saw the whole of Mount Moriah, the topography, with the skull being at one end as the body of the Lord. Mm. <laughs> he went further and actually quite, saw the whole thing. Imaginative. Yeah, he was imaginative, <laughs> but, but he certainly was someone who was devoted to the Bible. I don't know whether many British generals today mm. would be of that ilk. Um, and you've, o you've opened up a really interesting subject, yeah. Derek. And, uh, do you know what? Just like reading the scriptures, as I said, that you, you find a new treasure every time you read the scriptures, I find every time I walk around Jerusalem, I find a new treasure. Yeah. It's just filled with treasure. So Come along, John, next time. We've, when I you must, have a moment, an opportunity, must. we'll really enjoy going yeah. over there together. Um, so getting back to Isaac, yes, okay. please. So he's a. And by the way, read Derek's book. Sorry, yes, I, I sort of completely missed that opportunity. Yeah, read you. Derek's book. Yes, because it's all based on Genesis 22, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, because it, this is such an important event in salvation. Yeah. So Isaac, because we we are patterned after Isaac, all right, because Abraham's seed is Christ, mm. but it's 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 in Isaac. Yeah. Um, is the picture. And so Isaac's a picture of Christ who is then offered up on Mount Moriah. And notice, as a result that Abraham is faithful to fulfill that type, God then says, I'm going to offer up my sacrifice who is the greater than Isaac, mm. the seed of Abraham, the ultimate seed of Abraham. And then notice the angel of the Lord in verse 15 um, who actually is Christ, <laughs> uh, called Abraham a second time out of heaven, saying, by myself I have sworn. Now, the, this is major stuff here. Says the Lord, because you've done this thing, you've not withhold your son, your only son. Bl this releases the blessing now. Blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. This is us now. We're, this is all the spiritual seed that's coming out of this sacrifice. 
this multiplication of Isaac. Um, as the stars of the heaven and the sand on the seashore, and your descendants will possess the gate of their enemies, and here it is, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Yeah. In your seed, in Messiah. Yes, right. In Christ. Which is Galatians that, 3. That blessing is now going to come on all nations. That's mm. believers in all nations. Mm. In, in other words, this blessing that was in Isaac, He's saying that uh, this is a picture of Christ and this is how God gets that supernatural blessing to us all. Mm -hmm. In a sense, Isaac was the manifestation of the promise. And in the same way, God made all kinds of promises in the Old Testament, you know, of the coming Messiah. And Jesus was the manifestation of that. Mm -hmm. And when that promise was offered up, then God then received that offering and then release the blessing on all of us, mm -hmm. praise God. Yeah. And so yeah, that kind of fills out the detail the, yeah. of how we are born of Sarah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We are, we are born of Sarah, we are Isaac mm. Uh, mm. because of our union with, with the greater than Isaac, Jesus. Yeah, um, where's that scripture where the Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life? Oh, John, John 11. I was looking in 20, the, so I went, I skipped past it. So yeah, after the death of Lazarus, um, and the, Martha says to Jesus, yeah, if you hadn't come here, if you hadn't been here, if you had been here, um, you know, Lazarus wouldn't, wouldn't have died. And then verse, verse um, 23, the Lord says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know you'll rise again at the resurrection. And then the Lord says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, um, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Isn't that the grace of God? Just based on belief. I mean, well, there is no work involved. Mm. No. Just believe. He is the life. He is yeah. the resurrection. Yeah. And so we only have life. And in one sense, you know, it was like Isaac had come back from the dead. <laughs> You know, he was about to be sacrificed and then the, the ram was caught in the thicket and yeah. the Lord had provided the sacrifice. Wow. Okay. Verse, um, which verse are we on? I, I, do, I think um, it's interesting, you know, Mount Sinai was where the law came down from God. Um, Jerusalem or Mount Moriah was where the sacrifice went up. Yeah, it's interesting, in, in this passage though, he, he connects, he uses Jerusalem more in a negative sense because the legalistic religion at yeah. that time was headquartered in Jerusalem. That's right. So he actually relates the new covenant, he relates Hagar, you know, this um, with, with Mount Sinai, mm. and that's the old covenant. By the way, I've got to throw this in. Yeah. Now we're on Jerusalem, because uh, you mentioned Yahweh last, um, last uh, that, uh, week, mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, the fact that the valleys of Jerusalem spell, the, the, show the letter Shin, Shin, which is from Shaddai, which is, which is the, the letter in the whole Hebrew alphabet, which is symbolic of, of God. Mm. Um, that letter Shin is 
what can you explain uh, something about it? Because when you look at the, you you look at the topography of Jerusalem that no, no no one in the ancient world would have seen. We see it now by satellite. The Lord said to Abraham, "I'll show you the place where my name will dwell," and that is is the most symbolic letter of His mm. name. And you have the Kidron Valley. It literally is identical with that goes down, and then it's joined by the. Tyropean Valley, which crosses over, yeah. and, and then the Hinnom Valley comes all the way round, yeah. wow. and, and they all join with the Kidron and come down, yeah. and you have the letter Shin, Shin yes. stamped on the topography yeah. of wow. Jerusalem. It is, it is significant, I believe, anyway. It, very God looks down, as it were, on Google yes. Earth that we only know, have known for a short time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. I, um, why do I say that? Yeah, I say it because it, it, everyone up until point Paul writing this would have only thought of Jerusalem as somewhere very, you know, holy, special, to be venerated. And he's saying, actually, Jerusalem's become, as it were, something. Yes, he's created a bit of a yeah, twist here. Completely counter, counterintuitive. And, and Throw I, something in soon, John, because otherwise me and Derek are going no, to I'm, just... I'm enjoying listening to you. I'm having a bit of time off here. Yeah. But any thoughts that come to you, just interject. I will. Because it won't hurt the, the flow, I don't believe. Um, yeah, so we've got... We've I, I think if we, to de 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 develop what Paul yep. is saying here, mm -hmm. he is relating the new covenant more to the heavenly Jerusalem. That's right, yeah. All right, so if we just follow that train of thought, uh, it reminds me of, of Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, this is very close, because I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about um, verse 18, Hebrews 12, 18, you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burnt with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest. And of course, mm. he's talking to Mount Sinai. Exactly the same. In other words, that, 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 I mean, what God did there was important, but mm -hmm. that isn't what defines us. Yep. That is, we have not come to that mountain. Yep. We are not under that covenant. Uh, and then he describes that. And then he says in verse 22, the mountain of the new covenant, mm. okay, is the, is, is, is the heavenly Jerusalem. Yep. That yep. is our home city. That yep. is the Father's house. That's where mm. we will be for all eternity. Mm. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, yep. but it's the heavenly Mount Zion. The earthly Mount Zion is just the mirror image. It's the daughter. Yeah. When it talks about the daughter of Jerusalem, mm -hmm. rejoice you daughter, yeah, yeah. that's the daughter city. Yeah. The mother city is the heavenly Jerusalem. Yeah, very See? good. Now, it's just another that's bit of great. interesting bit of detail, by the way, is that in those days you'd have a walled city and then you'd have villages surrounding the walled city. Yeah. And they would be called the daughters. Yeah. And the, the mother city has the walls. And so if there's an invader, the yeah. daughters run under the yeah. cover of the mother city. So what we're saying in Galatians is the Jerusalem that is from above, above is the mother. Is the is mother, mother city. city. Yes. yes. So he says, you have come, verse 22 is the key mm -hmm. verses here, you've come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, yeah. the heavenly Jerusalem. This is our identity, our citizenship's in heaven. Yeah. You know, we love Jerusalem, the earthly one, but our primary identification is the heavenly city. That's even what Abraham had a vision of, the heavenly city. Mm. Um, and then he says... So just, just throwing in, um, uh, by the way, I think they'll show the scriptures. So we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 22. We'll talk more about Zion in a minute. Carry on. Yep. 
Please. Yeah. You know, just to finish that scripture yeah. off, notice the connection to the new covenant. Mm -hmm. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn registered in heaven. So yeah. that's us, right? Yeah. Well, that's our home. Um, we are registered in heaven if we're born again. Mm -hmm. To God, the judge of all, it's the dwelling place of God. To the spirits of just men made perfect, that's the Old Testament saints, I believe. Mm -hmm. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So what he's saying is, Jesus is there and his blood is there. Because according to he, another part of Hebrews, yes, he shed his blood on Mount Moriah in the earthly Jerusalem, mm. but when he ascended on high, he took his blood to the throne of God into the heavenly holy of holies and sprinkled his blood there. And so if you're going to talk about a place that represents the new covenant, it's not so much Mount Moriah, but it is the heavenly Jerusalem yeah. where the throne of God is at, at the peak, mm. praise God. Mm. And that's where the blood has been put. And that's what seals us in an everlasting covenant with God, wow. praise God. And wow. so yeah. the, new, the blood of the new covenant in the heavenly Jerusalem, mm. Paul is saying that is our identification. We, we have not come to Mount Sinai, however impressive that is. Uh, we have come to a far greater mountain. Psalm 8, can you read a bit of Psalm 86, um, John? Um, so it, it's talking about those who were born in Zion. Um, uh, I mean, I love the, did I say 86? I meant 87. I love the, um, the whole of the psalm, but I would say go from verse 3 um, uh, through to the end. It's 87. Yeah, Psalm 87 from verse yep. 3. Okay. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia, the one was born there. This one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, all my springs are in you. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Isn't it wonderful? So again, you know, got David out on the hills, as it were, writing something that absolutely chimes with yeah. Genesis and Hebrews and Galatians and... Yeah, um, uh, how do you how do you interpret that? I, I uh, Derek, you, for me, it's from wherever town mm. you're in. If you're yeah. if you're saved by grace, you're born in Zion. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. It, this is the heavenly. We Jerusalem. all have a natural birth, but the question is, do you also have yeah. a spiritual birth? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, if you only have a natural birth, you just have you are an earth dweller, mm. and that's your identification. Mm. And. Um, and I, what I love is, is Ephesians, we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world, you know, to be holy and blameless before him. You know, um, he, he's, he's adopted us, you know, it's all this, the same picture of us becoming adopted as his children. It's not of us, you know, adopted a child. I, Howard and Leslie adopted a girl from um, Romania, uh, Becky. Yeah. Um, it wasn't her choice, no. she was adopted. Mm -hmm and how, how the Lord records us to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's, it's the most wonderful thing, that we were born in Zion, chosen in Him before he the said, foundation Jesus of the Jesus said, Lord. rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yeah. 
And, and it's important that I, I actually just put wrote in my margin, origin and destiny. So um, our origin in the heart of God was in Zion, in this Jerusalem that is um, from above, the heavenly Jerusalem, the mother Jerusalem. That, that, that's our origin and that determines our destiny. So our, our origin isn't in Babylon, it's not in the flesh, it's not in the work of man, it's not in some great engineering projects like the Millennium Dome to celebrate the ascent of man, which sort of almost blew away in Hurricane Eunice a few months back. Um, it, our origin is in something that was imperishable. It's not wood, hay and stubble. It's not where where moth or rust can destroy and thieves break in and kill. It's treasures which are eternal. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? Crazy. That's the heavenly Jerusalem actually, which is filled with these treasures. Mm. Thing is, we can, we can endlessly digress, can't we? Because we could start reading Revelation <laughs> chapter 21, yeah. but we better get on. We better get on. Um, so, yeah, Sarah, if, so putting it all together on one column, yeah. if, if our mother is Sarah, as it were, yeah. you know, we, we, we are born in freedom. Mm. Um, we are like unto Isaac. In fact, mm. we are joined to the true Isaac, Jesus Christ, the, the seed of Abraham. Mm. We, uh, we are, our home is Mount Zion, mm. heavenly Jerusalem. And we are in that covenant. Sarah kind of represents the new covenant, yeah. which is centered on the capital city, if you like, is the heavenly Jerusalem, which makes us citizens of heaven. Yeah. And, it, and it's awesome. And as he'll go on to say, we have an inheritance of, of every, every good thing mm. uh, that, will, that will last forever and ever. Mm. Praise God. Mm. And that is now contrasted with if you, if you don't receive the promise, if you are trying to be, establish yourself in the flesh under the law, you, you are like Ishmael, who is the, uh, the son of Hagar, and therefore born into slavery. And, th and then he develops the geogra ge geographical association, which is not heavenly but earthly, of course. And it says Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and, and that's mm. interesting because Hagar and Ishmael settled in Arabia. Mm. And so he's, he's locating the geography really of, he's saying, look, you want to live under the law, under the law of Moses, mm. then your point of identification really is Mount Sinai, mm. which is Arabia, and that's Ishmaelite territory. Mm. That's mm. Hagar's territory, you know, mm. so he's, mm. he's reinforcing the imagery here. And it is an interesting issue. I don't yeah. know if you want to talk about We're it. We're just though. in the last few minutes. Oh, if it, yeah. We may be a, a yet again, you yeah. know, trailing it for another <laughs> one. Uh, John, I just wanted in the last couple of minutes, we, we talk about us being born into freedom, and yet we are, as it were, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we studied it, if you remember a few weeks ago in Philippians, we, you know, we're slaves to the Lord. Just explain why slavery to the Lord, as it were, to Christ, is freedom. <laughs> yes, I mean, slavery is an unfortunate word to, yeah. for us to use bond because servants. it had particularly bond servants. Yes, yeah. he, I mean, he's, we, he's bought us. He's bought us with a price. The scripture tells us that. Mm -hmm. But he, he hasn't bought us as a chattel, 
He's brought us to be part of his family so that we can be adopted into the family of God. Mm. Um, but in order for that to happen, of course, there had to be a process. There had to be a legal process, which was thoroughly righteous, yeah. which involved dealing once and for all legally the sin of mankind. And mm. so he became the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. But um, as a consequence of that, we, we, are, we are bond servants in the sense that we have been bought. Mm. And, mm. And, and we are not our own, as the scripture yes. says. Mm. But that's only one side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This, this, this bondage in the, terms, in the terms of being bond service actually translates as total freedom. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. um, a sort of dichotomy. It's a, yeah. You've got these two things um, and they're not in opposition to each other. Exactly. They are, they are saying exactly. the same thing. Because I remember you are drawing out brilliantly from Romans 6 when we were talking about grace and we're talking about us not be, being no longer slaves to sin. I know we're not talking here about slaves to sin, we're talking about being enslaved to the law, but the fact that, you know, where, where grace fits in, because grace is there at the end of chapter 5 of Romans. It is, yes. And um, just, I just want to have a little bit of a John slot before we finish Bible <laughs> well, study, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, I, I mean, it's just wonderful. We're not slaves to sin, which is the same as not being slaves to the law, because yeah. the law promotes sin. We've, mm. we've discussed this. The law creates sin and you, it generates it. And, and um, it's, a, it's a strange old business, but it mm. does. And so we have been removed from the law. Um, and we're now just under the covenant of grace, mm. which is, as we will discover later on, that it's the liberty of God. Mm. It is absolute freedom. Yeah, yeah. Literally, mm. absolute freedom. It says the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free, yes. Um, but Jesus Christ is the truth. Yeah. So it's in Christ we're set free. Yeah. And, and, and we've been liberated into a freedom which I think few of us can really comprehend. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's a freedom which is constrained by grace. Mm. I think that's the best way I can describe it. That freedom is absolute. Yeah. You could literally do anything you want, but in some miraculous way, grace constrains it mm. so that it does have limits. Um, but it's not any limit you're going to kick against. Yeah. It's just it's wonderful, and in that freedom, we'll be able to worship. There's that God. scripture: "The love of Christ constrains me," unless I've missed missed some. some yes, it's quoted it. Yeah. It's yes, it is wonderful. And then, so we're not children, uh, uh, Derek, of of slavery, as it were. That's verse so twenty-five. Um, she is in slavery with her children, Hagar. Mm. You thought you weren't going to be asked another question because we're in the last minute. But um, no, just, just to show you that Derek doesn't have an answer to everything because I'm trying to catch him out. Um, but um, yeah. No, I, I would say, you know, it, another analogy is yeah. marriage. And, and yeah. it's like if you, if you marry a wrong, you yeah. know, somebody who will dominate you, yeah. you are in bondage. And mm. the law is a bit like that, you know. It's always telling you what to do and where you mm. go wrong. Yeah. But if you are genuinely, if it's a love marriage, yeah. there's a sense in which, yes, you belong to one another. Mm. We, we belong to Christ, yeah. but it's love. So when we serve him, we are, do, we are free, but we, we want to serve him. We yeah. want to do, please him. Yeah. And so it isn't a bondage. 
Mm. Because we, we are doing that which is in our nature to do. Mm. We love him, so we are free. We are, we are not doing, we're not being constrained to do something we don't want to yeah. do. Yeah. We are doing what we want to do. So we are free even though we belong to him. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to end with um, uh, Matthew 11, where the Lord says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's after really the early chapters of Matthew, talking about the yoke of the law. So uh, let's take his yoke upon us and enjoy his grace and we'll see you next week. <laughs>